How are you doing? Well, welcome. I don't know what's up with Mr. Lee. He's, you know, what an Eeyore. I don't know what it is about the summer, but somebody please give him a hug or something. But uh, summer, summer's not over, don't worry. Although, you know, I was in the store and I saw all that the school supply stuff were out in the promotional aisle, you know, so then I thought, uh, if that's out front, you know what's in back. It's the Halloween candy and the Christmas lights. So, you know, it's like, whew, life is quick, isn't it? So, it's, uh, you know, don't be down on the weather. But, uh, but, you know, school is coming. It is a reality. And I thought, well, we need to kind of warm up to that idea. So I thought we'd take a test this morning. We're going to be talking about testing things. And so I got a little quiz for you. But don't worry, you don't have to, you don't have to write it down. And uh, you just keep track in your head. You score yourself. You don't have to reveal the, you know, your score, probably. And uh, so anyway, it's really very simple. Just think about it in your head. Just give you a second here. The first question is, how do you put a giraffe into a refrigerator? Okay, think, think, think. Uh, no answers from the studio audience, please. Just think about that. Uh, how do you put a giraffe into a refrigerator? Correct answer, if you've got it, is to open the refrigerator door, put in the giraffe, and close the door. This tests whether you tend to do very simple things in an overcomplicated way, right? Okay, that's the first question. I don't know if anyone got it, but second question. How do you put an elephant into a refrigerator? Just think. How would you go about that? Now, if you thought, open the refrigerator door, put in the elephant, and close the door, sorry, you're wrong. That's not it. Correct answer is you open the refrigerator door, take out the giraffe, put in the elephant and close the door. Are you catching on? That's question number two. I don't know if you've gotten one right yet. Question number three. Here's a chance. You might get this one. The Lion King is hosting an animal conference. All the animals attend except one. Which one does not go? The elephant. He's, there you go. A couple, few of you got that one. All right, you're warming up. The elephant, because he's in the refrigerator. Last question, and we'll be done with it. There's a river you must cross, but it's inhabited in, in... Anyway, there's crocodiles living in there. How do you get across the river? Think about it for a moment. The answer is, you just swim across. All the crocodiles are at the animal conference, and that tests whether you learn quickly from your mistakes, something you should do. Now, I don't know, if you, if you didn't get any of them right... I guess here would be the upside. It's a really lenient curve because I'm told that 90% of adults get absolutely none of those questions right. So, right? You've got a lot of company if you were 0 for 4. The downside is lots of preschoolers do get the questions right. So I don't know what that says. We're thinking about testing things. And uh, John, I guess we could think backwards to where we've been. And, and in a way, John says, hey, you can you could test whether or not you have relationship with God. Whether Remember, he's talked about this concept of fellowship, deep, intimate uh, relationship with God. And uh, there's ways of knowing that, that you have that in your life. Uh, we can look back and see that he's talked about, for instance, the subject of sin and, and said, you know, if, if you're in fellowship with God, sin is something you wrestle with and you try and get that out of your life and you, don't, you, know, you don't just embrace that stuff. That's a, that's a wrestle and you can't, you know, you don't do it perfectly, but you should, if you're in fellowship with God, you're going to see that, some of that wrestling and some of that victory. 
He's talked about how uh, we should be people, if we're in fellowship with God, that not only know truth uh, in, in a way that we could talk about it, that we should be able to live it, that it would be so integrated in our lives, for example, with with loving others, that we wouldn't just say it's a good idea to love others, it would become uh, a part of our actions and our activity, the way we live would actually be loving. That would be evidence that you're in fellowship with God. Today he brings up the subject of the Holy Spirit in the last half of the ver- last verse in chapter 3. He says, now, this is how we know, it's like one more way you could know that uh, God lives in you. He says, we know it by the Spirit he gave us. Talking about the Holy Spirit a, a bit today brings up that subject. And, and of course, the Spirit does many things. As, if we look at the whole of the, uh, of the Bible, we see the Holy Spirit doing many things for us uh, as God's children. We could look at the book of Galatians. If we were there this morning, we might find there the Holy Spirit and, and, and talk about how he, uh, he, he gets in our lives and he begins to produce change in our character so that we experience and can express things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and I don't think I got them all. But anyway, the fruit of the Spirit. If we were in the book of Corinthians, we might run across ideas about the Spirit producing gifts in us, that he gives us an opportunity and ability to uniquely serve other people in God's kingdom and, and, and God's family. In the book of John, what's John thinking of? Obviously, he could pick lots of different things because the Spirit does many different things. But we find this verse, it's, it's coming up. We haven't gotten to it in the series yet, chapter 5. It'll, I think Pastor Bob will get this one. And, and the subject is whether uh, Jesus, you know, who Jesus is, identity, all that kind of thing. And he, and he says, the Spirit is the one who testifies in that regard of, of who Jesus is. He says, because the Spirit is truth. He's the author of truth. He's the one in charge of presenting truth, and especially in our lives. And that's part of the Spirit's work in our life. He's, he's the author of that. He helps us learn the truth. He helps us understand the gospel. He helps us embrace that truth. And of course, we can identify several ways that he uses a process of using different people. First of all, Jesus had disciples and they became called apostles because the Spirit was using them to communicate what Jesus had taught and write that down so that we would have it in the Bible. That's turned over to teachers and so now the the church is sort of a, in many ways, not completely, but many ways, a self-teaching organization. We teach each other. You know, it's my turn this morning, but we have, we have opportunities to teach each other what we learn about God and his word in our life. And then also the spirit leads us into truth by communicating spirit to spirit. Now that's one that's a little more difficult to understand. When we say that God would produce God's, or the spirit would produce God's word and then a teacher, you, you can hear that with your ears and you know it's happening. That's kind of what we're doing right now, I hope. That's what we're doing. That's, that's my plan. Uh, and, and yet the, the Spirit communicates to our spirit. How does that happen? You know, Jesus said that it's, it's never enough to just know something. Who is it that's truly blessed? The one who would take his words and incorporate that and actually live that. We're more than something physical. We have a spirit as well. And the, the truth, the gospel, the word of God needs to get into those deeper levels, the levels of convictions and emotions and values, the, the parts of us that aren't just physical but reside in our spirit. And, and so the Holy Spirit speaks to us on that level and helps us get the truth to that level. 
So John says you can know you're in fellowship with God within the process of the Holy Spirit. Uh, bringing truth to you, giving you understanding and acceptance, and then coming to places of conviction and embracing that truth. That reality, however, brings us to the need, a a need in our life, and that would be the need for discernment. In uh, verse 1 of chapter 4, a brief celebration here, we made it to chapter 4. It's been a long road. Still two chapters to go by the end of September, believe it or not. But anyway... So we're, we're uh, 60% of the way through. But, well, so we get to chapter 4, celebration. John says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. So John says, guess what? Now, while the Holy Spirit wants to lead you to, to understandings of truth, he's not the only voice in the world. There's no big shock there, is there? I mean, your life is inundated with messages and ideas and concepts and voices and philosophies and doctrines, and, and it comes at us. And, of course, we have so many media opportunities and ways for communication to come at us. We're just inundated with ideas. John says, you know, those not all holy ideas. They're not all originated with the Holy Spirit you're going to need to discern between the source of ideas. We have that responsibility. So he uses this term spirit because he's talked about the Holy Spirit, and I think he's referring to kind of a threefold system. He's saying, remember that ideas aren't out in the, in the world just kind of on their own like they came out of nowhere. That there are, in fact, spirits. He's talked about the Holy Spirit. Clearly there are evil spirits as well. There's holy angels and evil angels and so forth. And, and so it starts there, but they have uh, ideas that they promote. They energize, they, they push, they, they hope that they'll be embraced, and yet the Spirit was the, the beginning of that. And then, of course, there are teachers, there are people who embrace that and help propel that or move that forward, and we experience this in, in many ways. The, the obvious competing two systems uh, that John would be thinking about is that there's the Holy Spirit, and he has the gospel or the truth, and he's turned that over to apostles and the Bible and the teachers and so forth, but he's saying, you know, there, there's other spirits. There's other ideas that came from other spirits, and, and now there are false prophets who have gone out into the world. And we're exposed to those things. <clears throat> now, for, for John's uh, audience, we're, we've kind of covered this before, but there were some people who had left the church. They said, you know, we don't, uh, we're not really big on this Jesus thing anymore. We've got our own ideas we're kind of moving forward with. And, and uh, that, that movement became known as Gnosticism. And, for example, one of the things they, they believed is that the physical part of you, what you do with your body doesn't matter. Everything is about spirit, and of course we know that's not what we find in God's Word. That can't possibly be true. Uh, while we are spirit and physical, they're united and they're unified. We are unified one, and it matters what you do. What happens in the physical world matters. And John's saying, you know, that is anti-Jesus kind of thinking. We'll understand a little more fully what he's going out there. Now for us, where do we run into this? And that's an interesting thing, because I, I will admit, I don't walk around every day thinking, you know, oh, there's spirits trying to lead me somewhere or teach me somewhere. But the ideas thing and people giving us ideas, that, that we get. We run into that a lot. And so with this principle, uh, this need for discernment, I, I'll, I'll admit, you probably don't need it in every 
possible situation. If you're sitting at home in your living room and there's that glowing rectangular thing that you gaze into all the time, you know, and then suddenly across, from out of that comes this idea. Here's an idea. If you want to be popular, you're really going to need this kind of deodorant, right? Right? Ah, you probably don't need to discern the spirits. You know, I'm not like, it's, ah, you know, whatever, right? But here's what I guess I would say, is that the more important the idea is, to life, the more John probably is saying, you know, think about that for a moment. You might want to think, where did that come from? Who's pushing this idea anyway? The more that that idea has to do with God or e- e- your eternal destiny or whether or not there is one or, or uh, if it's about spiritual things or the purpose of life or, or, or how you're to engage in relationships or the, the development and the direction of your character and and who you are, these really fundamental, important things, John's saying, you know, you might want to think really carefully. You want to be discerning about where those ideas come from because not every spirit that promotes an idea is holy, is not the holy one. He says, test. I I think it's fascinating that the Holy Spirit, of course, who's inspiring John to writing this, is really the one behind this saying, you know what? I, I would think, you know, he could be like, Hey, I'm God. Just believe me, all right? And instead, he's like, you know what? I, I want to lead you into truth, but test me. I'm totally okay with that. I'm secure. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's like, I'm secure. Test it. You, you won't offend me by thinking carefully, <laughs> by, by praying about this, by thinking, wait a minute, where did this idea come from? See if it's really from me, the Holy Spirit says. Now, how are we going to do that? John offers us a couple of tests, a couple of ways for us to run these things through a grid. He says, this is how we can recognize the Spirit of God. I love it when the Bible gets that straightforward and clear, don't you? Okay, here's the test. This is how you can recognize it. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist anti-Jesus, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. He says there's that, that opposition to Christ. It's already out there. The, the person, the Antichrist, had, hadn't shown up in John's time. Uh, he could be alive now. I don't know that. But anyway, in John's time, he clearly wasn't there. He's talking about this idea of opposing Jesus. That was there because spirits are already promoting that concept uh, of putting him down. So we see that in that threefold kind of thing, if the, uh, if the, if the spirits and the ideas and the teachers who are promoting them uh, support and promote the essentials of the gospel, he's like, well, the Holy Spirit's behind that. If they deny uh, the essentials of the gospel, uh, that's an anti-Christ, an anti-Jesus kind of system. You can discern between the two. He gives us a few obviously essentials here. First of all, it starts with Jesus, he says. Jesus has come, and that he was a real historical person, and it's rooted to a time and place in history that you could be certain happened, and it was real and tangible, and, and we'll see, was, was physical. I read a uh, news article recently about a church in Holland, and uh, this, this little church um, hired a new pastor, and He's an atheist, and he said, uh, you know, actually, I don't believe in God, and I don't believe there's anything after this life. It's all right now, you know, I guess eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you die kind of thing, and, and, uh, and I don't believe in Jesus, but, 
And here, here's the part where I don't understand how it all works, but he's like, I don't believe in Jesus, but he sure knew how to live. <laughs> so, you know, we should come together and talk about how he, this guy who didn't live, how he lived, because he was really on to something. You know, we should love each other like that, and he knew how to do it. You know, it's all breaking down. Basically, John would say, okay, the spirit behind that thing, that's not the Holy Spirit. Jesus was a, was a real person, and, and, and we are anchored to him. And that he was the Christ. There's something about his identity that's really important. That he was the Messiah. And so we find this anchoring into further back into history and the promises to the the Hebrew people. And and we find that in the Old Testament. And that God has been in history and his program and his his ideas and what he's been doing. They're, They're in there all along. There isn't some kind of big change that we're like oh, wow, now we can decide we don't need God, or, or now we decide we do need God. He's, he's been there all along, and Jesus is that person. He is Savior. He is Lord. He's King. He is the Christ. And now he gets, the, he gets really personal with the, with the false prophets that the, his, the recipients of his letter have been exposed to. And he came in the flesh. <laughs> I see, hear that anti-Gnostic thing. He was flesh, which they considered pointless or, or sometimes even evil. And he's like, he was real humanity. He says the incarnation is an essential piece of God's truth and the gospel. And John doesn't go on to explain why, but I think he probably could say, hey, read the book of Hebrews. It's full of reasons of why the, the incarnation that God's son would become human was absolutely essential. He said he had to do that so that he could, with all integrity and passion, say to us, I know what it's like to live like this. I know what it's like to live down here. I understand it. I, I've experienced pain and frustration and, and the destruction in this world. I know what that's like. And so Hebrews says he can be an authentically a high priest who reaches in his divinity to God and in his humanity to us. Hebrews and the incarnation make it very clear. See, that's why we can be so sure that that relationship with God is available now because of the incarnation, because God became a human being and identifies with us. He's Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about his identity as Christ and, and the facts that he came in the flesh. We could look at other passages that describe some of the core essentials. In Corinthians, it goes into the, the matters of the resurrection or core essential, and that makes sense to us, doesn't it? The cross and the resurrection become absolutely central. And John says you can know when you look at these core ideas, are they supported by the thing you're thinking about? Because the Holy Spirit is going to be all over that. He's going to be on board with promoting that. His ideas will all be in connection with that. See, when you're testing a doctrine or a spiritual idea, it's pretty simple, isn't it? What's it say about Jesus Christ? It's really quite simple. But then, of course, there are all kinds of other things in life. Uh, and, and how do we do that? You know, maybe it's a, an educational philosophy. Maybe it's a financial system that someone's promoting to us or relationship advice or uh, political and social issues. How should we think about that? And there isn't a component that says, this is who Jesus was. Maybe it's your finances. Hey, this is how you should think about money, and this is what you should do with your money. You're like, well, I don't know. How do I measure this? What, what spirit might be behind that? Where did this originate? I think the principle, though, still could be applied. 
Remember last week we talked about how God is, is willing to simplify life for us? He's willing to say, listen, it, you could think of it as complex, but you could think of it very simply as well. Two things. Are you able to take the particulars of your life and make them things that you trust Christ with? And do you love others? Those are the great themes that John brings up and says are the great umbrella of how God would, would have us think about the purpose of life and what, what impact the, the gospel should have on us. Do you, do you trust Christ? And so we look at this, this model again. Maybe it's a financial concept or s- system, and we think, well, I don't know. If I, if I do that, is that going to help me trust Christ with my decisions, with my finances, with my, well, the stocks I used to have, you know, whatever that is. You know, do I, do I trust Christ or, or do I live now more in fear or control, trying to control my world and my life? Which is it? And does it, does it help me be a loving, generous person? Or is this going to turn me into a greedy person who thinks that life is found in, in, primarily in material things? You see, I think when we begin to ask those questions, it becomes much clearer that even even relationship advice or political ideas or or financial advice connects in some way or another to who Jesus is in our life. That's the content test. John says, run it through. What's it mean? What's What's the implication in terms of what it says about your relationship to Christ? And then he gives us a personnel test. In verse 4, he says, You dear children are, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So he talks, he talks to believers, people in fellowship with God, and he says, You know, you're, you're children, and you've overcome them, referring back to the false prophets. You've overcome them, or you've stepped out of their system where the ideas came from an evil spirit, you've stepped out of the influence of that because the Holy Spirit has brought you to a place of embracing the gospel, embracing the truth. And and the Holy Spirit is greater. His ideas are greater. Truth, obviously, is greater and more powerful than a lie. Jesus says the truth sets you free. An error, a falsehood, a lie enslaves you. The truth sets you free. So you have this victory, and then he goes on, I think, with this idea of Sometimes you can tell by the people who are involved. He says, they're from the world, again, the false prophets, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. Oh, that makes sense to me. We're from God, now speaking, I think, of apostles. We, apostles, are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Sometimes you can kind of tell, and I don't think it's, it's quite as crisp as the content test, but he's saying kind of in general, you might be able to tell by that category of who the people are. Who's involved with this? Jesus, remember, said that, that you can discern a lot by the fruit in people's lives. And there's kind of this general continuity. Teachers who listen to the Spirit tend to attract an audience that listens to the Spirit because they'll be there and they'll be like, you know, that's kind of, that's making sense to me. But someone who wouldn't want to listen to the Spirit is going to be like, I don't, I don't think I like that idea. I think I like the other idea. And in the same way, teachers that don't listen to the Spirit tend to attract an audience that does not listen to the Spirit. Again, it's kind of general, but again, he's saying, you know, you can look at the people who are involved and what's the fruit in their lives. The personnel test. Now, what John doesn't talk about, but 
but we know, and we sang about it, and communion was kind of about, is that, uh, that all of us came from underneath a system of, of falsehood, uh, an anti-Jesus kind of framework in our lives. Uh, other books of the Bible talk about it being delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light uh, of God's Son. And the Holy Spirit does that. So there's kind of these, these two camps, but the Holy Spirit and God are about drawing people out of darkness, out of confusion, to a place of understanding and embracing truth. What a great thing that he does that. That is our hope. And that is what he's wanting to, uh, us to do and to understand that having experienced that victory, why would we want to be enslaved again or influenced by falsehood? Following, listening, and following to the Spirit. Well, a short message today because we have some other things we're going to uh, take care of today before we finish our service. But, but uh, first of all, let's pray uh, in regards to what we've looked at in God's Word today. Father, we thank you that, uh, that you give us clarity. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who is himself truth and, and desires to, to lead us and give us discernment and how we pray, Father, that you would uh, give us greater insight and practice and ability in our daily lives to listen to him, to listen to the Spirit in all of his goodness. And we know that he is someone that we should trust. And so, Father, help us in that this week to be listening to you as your Spirit works in our life. And give us that discernment to know that not every idea out there is something we should embrace, that that uh, we need to be very keyed in and clued into you. So give us success in that. Give us joy in that as well. Set us free by your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.